and welcome to Dave, the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program, where you'll learn how to avoid that dreaded thing called caregiver burnout and how to survive the grieving process. Join Dave and his guests now as they share practice tips and tools that you can start using immediately to help get you through this day. Now, here's your caregiver host, Dave Nassani. From New York City, we welcome you, Adrian Gruberg and myself. This is the Caregiver Dave Show, and we have a very special guest with you today, Atara Malach. Have uh-huh. said that? <laughs> you you got to go up and say it. Yes. Yes. yes and um, we are on uh, Facebook Live, and we're on 16 other platforms, which are too numerous to mention here. And... Our show is for caregivers, by caregivers, about caregivers, <laughs> and today we're going to be talking about mommy guilt, and that's part of the old-fashioned guilt, you know, <laughs> which everyone knows about, even, I think, maybe Jewish mothers have a... Jewish have guilt a, is... A, Jewish is guilt, yes. Jewish mothers have a, a monopoly on Jewish guilt. <laughs> I don't know why. Maybe they wrote the book, and, and so they're experts. So... Help me welcome our guest, Atara Malach. Atara, we like to ask our guests, just take a couple of minutes to tell us just who is Atara and why was she placed on this earth? Well, actually, <laughs> I heard your interviews because I've become, and, and this is a personal uh, relevation, addicted to the many caregiver podcasts and shows. Ah. Um, Since we met by the National Publicity Summit, um, I heard about you and your wonderful co-host, and I decided to get a head start and listen. And then I listened, and I listened, and I went on YouTube, and I found that, and I knew you were going to ask me this question. You did. I had time to prepare. (laughs) (laughs) So it must be a really good answer then, because you've had a lot of preparation. Go ahead. The bar is high. Actually, I felt worse. I figured that if it would be spontaneous, you know, but no, I'm going to press restart and make it spontaneous. Right. And I was put on this earth to raise my six beautiful, wonderful children to be <gasps> real, to admit and connect to my struggles, to try many parenting methods under the sun and feel worse because of that and then decide to create one of my own, which uh, my mission is to share with as many mothers feeling guilty or otherwise on the planet. That's why I'm here and living it and loving it as I do it. Wow, that is amazing. That's one of the good answers, I think. So um, while I'm looking, oh, I've got to share our Facebook Live with everybody, don't I, Adrian? Yes. Why don't you uh, talk, talk amongst yourselves while I do that, and then I will. <laughs> <laughs> this is Adrian Gruberg. So Adrian, uh, as you know, founded the Caregiver Space with 165,000 followers and growing strong. And I know you has... keep asking her about that. How many? 160, 165. <laughs> the, I hear that. The number that. keeps changing. Yes. <laughs> what Going is up, it? up, you up. Know the number, up, up, following. up and up. Up and away. Yes. That yes, is yes. validation. That is community. That is connection. So it's connect- that, was, being- that was the idea, and apparently it's working. So 
Should I ask a question yet, Dave? Well, if, if you like, I can ask a question. We we'll probably have the same question in mind. How did you get involved in all of this? Uh, you know, did it just kind of fall upon you? Did you become a caregiver? Uh, when did the guilt start? I mean, were you three years old? <laughs> uh, actually, I was less than three years old when the guilt started <laughs> because I've been an older sister since I'm 13 months old. Uh, and then uh, my third sister was born when I was under the age of three. So I was an oldest of three. I'm the oldest of eight children. But by the time wow. I was three, I had two younger than me. And yes, I was a caregiver because I needed to give them uh, my toy. I didn't have a pacifier. My lollipop, uh, even if it was slightly used, um, you know, I always got first dibs on everything being the oldest. But as far back as I remember myself, I was with siblings in tow, taking care, worrying, um, being sort of a substitute mom or what psychology calls today a parental child. And so I've been a caregiver way before I got married and had my own family. And so it's something that is ingrained. And you asked when the guilt started. I think somehow they are intertwined because if I wanted to ignore my squabbling siblings or I wanted to go play with a friend and leave them behind for heaven's sake, um, I felt very guilty. And I can say with no complaints to parents or anything, because, you know, that doesn't help anyway. But right. um, they didn't mean for this to so negatively impact my social standing. But who wants to be a friend with a three- or a five-year-old girl when she has two or three or four siblings in tow? Mm -hmm. Let me tell you, not many people. So I wow. felt guilty wanting to be on my own and leave them home and just be or play <laughs> jump rope or play ball. So you asked the question. I'm not sure you expected this answer, but I've been a caregiver feeling guilty almost forever. <laughs> wow. So, so you so would call me very experienced, you know? <laughs> you, you almost never had a childhood because you were taking care of siblings. You were a mother at the age of three or something, right? Yep. That's it. So what, what is that like? What did you miss out in life? What scars are you carrying in this life as a result of not having a childhood? And how does that carry forward into how you raise your children? Well, talking about scars, <laughs> I don't think I have scars. If anything, I think I have springboards because <laughs> I knew I do. I, I love my family. I still have my parents, and I relish every hour we spend together. And I'm going to answer how it changed how I raised my children, but I don't feel I had scars. I'm actually enjoying my childhood now, which is much better. You're living in college for your children? Oh, oh yes. I, I raised them. I married them all off. And now I am having a wonderful time doing stuff that I love, having much more money to spend than I would have at the age of eight, even though I had a, a, a lemonade stand. I was always working. I was always a working, <laughs> I was a working caregiver. <laughs> so uh, I had a lemonade stand right in front of my house because I was afraid to cross the street but um, at, at the age of eight. But I don't have scars. I am enjoying my delayed childhood now, and I have so much at my fingertips and access to so many more options, and I'm having much more fun. No scars. Wow. Well, you are certainly an inspiration. And six children, were they all planned? 
planned, wanted, beloved, <laughs> challenging, exhausting. Um, and I take very much pride in seeing how they're raising your children. But I owe you an answer, Dave, because you asked me how did that guilt, that perennial, consistent guilt, affect me raising my children? So for a very long time, I had a daughter, an oldest daughter. I'm an oldest daughter, and I had a daughter first. I tried my best not to burden her with too many tasks or um, even, you know what, I even was criticized for not giving her enough responsibility, you know, from all the people around me who felt that I wasn't really giving her a chance to grow into her own and give her responsibility and allow her to be the oldest. And I think as many of us do, we relive our childhoods as we are the caregivers, as we are the parents, as we create a childhood for the next generation. So um, it did impact me that way. It did. That's uh, – any thoughts on that, Adrian? No, I'm just thinking about my Jewish guilt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, think it started, I think it started in the womb. <laughs> I so connect to that. We're sister souls over here. I actually go further, you know, in my previous lifetime, but let's not get into that. <laughs> so on the, um, on the caregiver front, um, your first person that you had to caregive, were you saying were, were the siblings? Yes. My mother is an extremely um, successful and involved person. Um, she still is. I am so proud of her. She is my inspiration and my role model. That's um, it wasn't that she was an absentee mom. It just was being that we were a large family. She was working out of the house for very many hours in order to help support the family. Mm -hmm. And I was very proud of her. But, you know, when you come home from school and you have hungry siblings, and mom's going to come home a little later to, to serve dinner, not that I had to, it still was, you know, uh, don't take cookies, take the apples, uh, <laughs> don't, don't, you know, do homework before you go out and play and stuff like that. I had a mother, I have a mother, and still I even took more responsibility than I should have. Um, it's just I'm a type A personality, and yeah. I need everything to be perfect, and I feel responsible for everyone. And even when my mother came home and wanted to take over the mothering, thinking <laughs> back, I don't think I made it easy for her. Is I that, really don't. I can understand that. It's, it's hard to stop. I mean, once you're in that role, you know, how do you just step back and not do it? You know, that is what I thought of when I was watching many of your morning show interviews and your interviews with other guests. And this is what I thought to myself, David Adrian. One of the things I think is important, and I think there's not enough study or attention on that, is once we get used to being a caregiver, mm -hmm. how do we step back and still feel that we're in our role, that we are who we are? Like we step in and out of our roles, and it's the transition is not always so easy and so simple. I wish there was like a formula or something we can practice. You know, like how you take an umbrella and then take it off, you know, put it down sure. when you don't need it, or put on a rain slicker and then take it off. Uh, the responsibility, the caring, the concern, the constant vigilance. That's not easy to put aside. I'd love to hear from you how it's done because 
Um, that is something that, you know, still concerns mommy and mommy guilt, caretaking our own children, special needs children, our elderly parents, I think um, very much so. Well, you bring up a very interesting question, one that I've never thought about before. But it's very interesting, Adrian, because um, she deals with a lot of uh, people who are no longer caregivers, and they have had the role so ingrained in them that they just never got in and out. They just got in, and they stayed in, and they were a caregiver morning, noon, and night, and they never had a life, and that's the problem. So what you described may be challenging, but it's healthy. Because what's the alternative? <laughs> it's just wearing that caregiver brand on you forever. And then when you're no longer a caregiver, now you're really messed up because you don't know what to do. So uh, first of all, congratulations on being able to step in and out, on being able to open the umbrella and close the umbrella. Because if you didn't, you'd be in worse shape than you are now. <laughs> So, she's not in bad shape. No, she's not. So <laughs> based on what I just said, Adrian, what advice can you give her for opening and closing the umbrella with ease? Well, <laughs> it's, very, it's very interesting. Um, I never felt that I lost myself when I was caregiving. Um, it really was second nature. Uh so I didn't really step in and I didn't feel I was stepping in and out of it. But my husband's been dead now for eight years. And I can be online at the supermarket and say, oh, I forgot the chocolate chip cookies. You know, and that's because I used to pick up the chocolate chip cookies for him every time I went shopping. Um it's still there, um, but but it's not like I have to step in and out of it. It's just yeah, but but your loved one is gone. Um, my loved one is gone. We're talking about while you're in the midst of it. No, yeah. I'm. I said while while I was in the midst of it, it was I just see. it was just natural. It was second nature. Oh, First, how, it's not not even second nature. First nature. <laughs> so tell us what what. Um, what the struggles are that you're experiencing, uh, stepping in and out of it, uh, Atara, specifically. Um, okay, Give me a specific example, for example. Yeah. For example. Okay. So, you know, um, we all know about um, empty nest syndrome. Yes. Right? That is what happens when the children leave home. I'm not talking about, you know, for a short amount of time. Right. For to leave home and then what happens to you as a mother, as a parent, as you know, with your identity. And connecting to what you said, both of you, we can then make our own study and feel that those who find it easier, and I'll give an example soon, of trans, you know, making the transition between I am a caregiver right now, and that's my essence, and that's who I am, and that's what I focus on, and that's what takes my thought and my prayers and, and, and my hopes and my wishes. Um, to I get up in the morning and actually, you know, no one's here who really needs me today, right now, in this home, at this moment. Um, I think those that feel very comfortable being who they are, no matter where they are, whether they're in an active caregiver role, and I created this on my own, Dave. I decided about active, and I don't want to use the word passive. Maybe you'll help me with another word, mm -hmm. but um, active. 
and not so active, um, then we don't get all flummoxed and, and, and upset and, uh, when we are with our own interests, our friends, or anything like that. Yeah. What's the difference between caring for your siblings, for example, and caring for your loved ones? Is it what is similar and what is dissimilar about that experience? Well, I divided it into three, you know, caring for my siblings, my children, and my parents, right? Or, you know, those, you know, who really need more, the elderly or those that in need of more physical, technical um, help. And um, I really, really um, feel like this. For my siblings, it was something where I did not feel that I had to impart all the values in the world to get them to become the children, the human beings that I would be proud of forever raising. I didn't feel that they reflected their success, reflected on me, as I do with my own children. Mm. With my children, I felt that it was so important for me to impart the values. And yeah, I have to admit that a lot of it was how will I be seen through my children? How will they judge me or those who know my children as a mom, as a parent? With oh. my parents, there's a lot of thankfulness and gratitude that I want to repay them for giving me everything they gave me, which is life and love and allowing me to become who I am. So I felt less gratitude with my siblings more responsibility with my children, mm. and I felt um, and I feel tremendous gratitude with my parents. I think you're very lucky. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good answer. Um, you got it I together know, more than you think. <laughs> I mean, my 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 parents were not both that uh, that way, but my mother was so focused on how I was the reflection of her until the day she died at 83. I think from very early in my life, you know, birth probably, she, I was the mirror that she saw. And when I didn't look like her and when I didn't, want the things that she wanted uh it really pissed her off you know if she did she sort of wow. didn't know what to do because i wow. was the reflection on her and i have i have a brother who uh got the same treatment she, my mother felt that that's what it was all about and um <laughs> we were we were there to affirm her, hmm. and that was tough. Oh yeah. Listen, we're going to take a break. We are talking with Tara Malach, Adrian mm -hmm. Newberg, and I'm Caregiver Dave, and we'll be right back. So don't go away. One arm, one leg, one hundred words. Overcoming unbelievable hardships is about Charlene, a stroke survivor. Back in 1996, Charlene was a healthy, normal, very active 52-year-old woman whose amazing talents resemble that of both a Martha Stewart and a Wonder Woman. But all that changed when she suffered a massive stroke that left her severely speech-impaired and paralyzed on the right side. 
Everyone who knows Charlene is thoroughly amazed at how she lives day by day, month by month, year by year, and with a smile on her face and hope in her heart that everything is going to be okay. Just hear what best-selling author Lynn Barrington has to say about it. If you think you have it bad, read this book. This is a beautiful, genuine story told from the heart. It's inspiring and easy to read. When you finish this book, you'll be able to look at your concerns in a new light. One arm, one leg, 100 words, overcoming unbelievable hardships. Available everywhere. There you are. Sorry about that. And we're back with Adrian Gruberg and Atara Malach. Malach. I like saying it's that. Lovely to say. Lovely to say. Let's talk about your book because that's your latest project, right? How how long has that book yeah. been? The book has been out for just uh, a month now. It oh. was published in April. It's called The Working Mother's GPS, and GPS stands for Guidelines to Parenting Success. Oh. And the reason I use GPS is because I use the road analogy. And uh, I like things that are simple and clear and universal. I think it saves time and uh, it gets everybody on board. And I think you would agree with me that one of the beautiful things um, about caregiving is not only that we contribute, but what would also be helpful is if we have the cooperation and the understanding of those around us. We spoke about, uh, Adrian community and connection. And the traffic light, it's built on the traffic light colors, the red, the green, and the yellow. And um, that is something that I think anyone in Tokyo, Paris, or New York recognizes. I use it as green, love, go, red, authority, no, and yellow, trust, blow. And as I was thinking about our conversation and, you know, preparing for it, I thought that even, you know, you say that selfish is not, you know, a bad word. No. Yellow (laughs) is very much into self-care and going a little bit slower and taking the oxygen for yourself so that you can be what you need to be for those around you. I like that. And you also said that you have to know how to say no. Well, that's using the red, knowing when and how and why we say no. And green, it's just letting the love and the, you know, validation and the connection and the communication flow. So that's what a working mother's GPS is based on. And I you like talk it. about mommy guilt in that. So expand on mommy guilt. Why is mommy guilt different from regular guilt? <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, what is regular guilt? Maybe if you tell me what regular guilt is, I'll show you how mommy guilt is. Well, I have a whole theory on guilt, okay? Ah. I put it in two categories. There is oh. deserved guilt and undeserved guilt. Now, whatever hmm. the cause of the guilt, we have to ask ourselves, be the traffic cop and say, okay, I'm feeling guilty. Why am I feeling guilty? Do Mm -hmm. I deserve this guilt? Now, sometimes you can't trust your own opinion. You need to ask the opinion of a loved one or uh, someone who you trust and you say, hey, so-and-so is making me feel guilty about such and such. Do I deserve this or are they just being unreasonable? You know, and therefore you get a second opinion, right? We do that with doctors. Why not do it with guilt? All the time. So if we decide that the guilt is undeserved, then all we have to do is get rid of it. Throw it away like it was a disposable diaper. Poof. If it is deserved guilt, we have to throw it away also. But before we throw it away, we have to do a few things. We have to Hmm. repent 
or say our say we're sorry or turn ourselves into the police or uh, pay <laughs> oh, no. yeah. do make whatever amends. it takes to fix it to make it right and that doesn't necessarily mean that the other party will forgive us but we've done our part we've asked for forgiveness yeah and then you get rid of the guilt and they may still try to put it on us but you just let it roll off your back like water on a duck that's my philosophy of guilt feeling um responsible that you did something wrong and that you deserve to be punished forever and ever <laughs> I, and the interesting thing about that is sometimes you actually know you're doing the wrong thing when you when you go into it right. and then and then you have to live with it recognize it and make amends when when you realize, ah, oh, I shouldn't have yeah. done that. <laughs> Premeditate, premeditated guilt. Yeah. You almost felt guilty before you did it. <laughs> exactly. You you have, you know, you even can feel guilty for not feeling guilty. <laughs> yeah. You know, yep. oh, my gosh, how did I just enjoy that and not think about them twice and not rush home? And then you feel guilty that you didn't feel guilty. Go so, now. Yeah. <laughs> Or the guilt of a decadent dessert, you know, whatever. Exactly. Hmm. So now tell us about but, mommy guilt. How's that different? Okay, so it's I want to. It's more similar than it is different. Yes, because mommy guilt. I find the people. Well, let's put it like this. My book was based on my program, which I created, my parenting program, and I got feedback from the. Thousands of moms who over the past three decades have taken part in this program, and I decided to just put it in a book and share it with those who can't know me personally and don't have time or in their different part of the globe, and I'd love for them to take advantage of the road bumps and the speed tactics and the colors, which are so easy to implement and uh, transform their relationships with their children but, and even their relationships at work. But what I have found with my connection, whether it's personal coaching or the groups, um, because I'm a therapist in private practice, is that I can divide mommy guilt into three prevalent groups um, or categories. One of them is feeling bad about all the stuff we should have and could have and didn't do. And I suppose caregivers can think the same, right, uh, or similar. Why didn't I spend enough time? Why, why didn't I, you know, cook a, a, a different meal? Why didn't I play this game with them? Why didn't I tell them I love them when I had a chance? Why, why about past stuff that is over, not so done, that I feel guilty about? The next kind of guilt is I feel guilty how I prefer to spend my time now. So if a mother or slash caregiver feels guilty about enjoying being at work more or doing something social or taking time for herself or spending time with a partner, I feel guilty that I enjoy doing these things or just reading a book or taking a walk on the beach. I feel guilty doing this instead of being on duty, whether it's as a mom or as a caregiver. And the third kind of guilt is, and this is more to moms, we feel guilty that we don't have the best kind of parenting skills or housework skills. The laundry isn't done. Uh, I didn't get her the right size shoes. She's walking around with sandals and it's winter already. I did, I, you know, it's McNuggets again. Um, I didn't cook a nutritious meal from scratch. So those are the three prevalent categories of mommy guilt. And I, I wonder how and if um, either of you, both of you, connect to the caregiving guilt to these three categories. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, caregivers like a mother, you know, kind of. 
there's there's okay the should have should have would have could have um, right is yes you can feel it while the person is still alive um true but you you have this sensation of not doing it right um so much um i I could have done this, I should have done that, um, I'm not equipped, I'm, you know, what, why didn't I do more research, why, there's so many things. Um, I should have made a med medication chart, you know, a long time ago, why did I wait so long? Um, and preferring now to then, I mean, I knew my husband was terminal from the day he was diagnosed. He lived six years after he was diagnosed, but I, I mean, I knew that the cancer was going to kill him. And you feel guilty for thinking about what your life is going to be like after. Planning. You know, I could, I'll be able to travel, I'll be able to see my friends more, I'll be able to do this, I'll be able to do that. And that, that brings about a lot of guilt. And there are so many caregivers who feel guilty about thinking about their future. Or even after the caregiver uh, has lost their loved one, and now, yeah. you know, maybe it was a spousal caregiver, and now they're thinking about uh, another romantic uh, bow. Relationship. Yeah. Well, I did it. <laughs> did you feel guilty about it? You didn't no. just think about it. You did it. I mean, <laughs> okay. I, I knew my husband wanted me to to have a life after. And he, he even just, gave you a list, right? Me, he gave me three people that I couldn't date. <laughs> he gave you a short um, list? He gave me a list of three people that we knew who he knew fancied me. And I was not to have anything to do with them. But I I waited until it felt right, and I didn't feel guilty when I when I did it. It was there was a a reasonable amount of time, and I started to feel it was time to build that new life. I mean, I was building the new life with the caregiver space. But as far as a romantic relationship and not feeling guilty about it, I I felt that I did did it the right way. And I encourage wow. people to do it and some people can and some people can't. Some people right. find it more difficult, correct. You, but Dave, you asked me the connection between my book and mommy guilt. So yeah. the three colors, what I know there, you, you explained to me and to our audience, deserved and undeserved guilt. Mm -hmm. I actually ask myself two questions when I feel mommy guilt, and that is, what is this guilt teaching me, shining a light upon about myself and my relationship with my children? Question number mm -hmm. one. And the second question is, what can I do about it, if at all? So if I'm feeling guilty, about not spending enough time, I can use the green skills and say, you know what, I want to create a loving memory. And I have, you know, everything listed on how to do it and what to do. 
if I am um, feeling that guilty that um, I don't have enough um, parenting skills and I scream too much instead of gaining cooperation or I let them go to sleep <laughs> without brushing their teeth because I just can't discipline them, um, then I have the red skills where I learn how to give choices that are, you know, acceptable to me, etc. cetera. And yes. um, if, you know, so each kind of guilt you can choose from the menu of the skills and the tactics and the suggestions what you can or want to do. I, I really liken it to a cup of coffee. I like coffee. And I say that coffee has the hot water, the coffee, whether it's decaf or not, and the creamer, if you use whichever kind, and the sweetener, whatever kind you use. But you are the one that decides how much hot water, how, how strong the coffee, how much right. creamer, if at all, and what sweetener. This is the same thing. I give the moms all the skills and the three colors, and then I empower them. I say, don't deny your guilt. Don't ignore it. Don't spend unnecessary battery power, internal battery power, trying to get rid of it. Ask yourself, what is this showing me? Where is this shining a light? And then ask yourself in the menu what you want to or can do about it. And then, you know what they say with Nike, just do it. <laughs> just do it. That's all. Yeah. Just do I, it. I, love, I really like the, the, the aspect of, what is this guilt teaching me? Yeah. What am I learning? What lesson, yeah. you know, exactly. can I take away? Life always Very teaches good. us lessons. I think you're a good therapist, Tara. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know what? And uh, a good mom, Thank you too. very much. But this came, this came and comes from struggling a lot and failing a lot. Because the first 20 years of my practice in my profession, I tried to help moms ignore the mommy guilt or justify it away, or, um, you know, just say, you know, we don't have to feel guilty. And then I told myself, we are exhausted by doing that. And, you know, it's like pain. Somebody once told me that her biggest fear is finding out that she staged, I don't know what, diagnosed, um, and she never felt the pain. And had she felt the pain, she might have been able to do something before. Right. And that was an, a moment, an aha moment, and I said, what have I been doing? I have been trying to get rid of the pain of mommy guilt instead of utilizing it and using it to make my life better and the, the relationship with my children better. Wow. So what, um, what would you say caregiving, how did it change you? Because you've changed, obviously. You've learned. You've grown. Mm -hmm. How did caregiving make you grow? It's really a question that's a trick question because I can't imagine myself not being a caregiver. As I said, you know, from the age of 11 months, I was the older sister already. Right. So if I would have to, like, fantasize what – if I had to imagine what I would be like never having the responsibility and the opportunity to be a consistent caregiver – to my siblings, my children, and my parents, I think I would have been much, I would have had less facets, less depth, less true enjoyment. You know, you wrote in your book um, how you can tell the difference between a counterfeit um, $100 bill or, you know, uh, money or not, right. that you have to first really investigate the true and the real, correct? Yeah. Study the genuine well, I, article. The genuine article. I feel, thank you for that. 
I feel that my life story being the way it is, me being catapulted into a consistent caregiver has added dimension and meaning to my life that if I had to live my life all over again and press restart, Mm -hmm. I wouldn't have it any other way. Mm -hmm. And I think you hear the conviction, the conviction in my voice. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you're a great... I was saying, it's, it's all about where you end up and liking where, you know, where you are and realizing how much you've learned and taken away from it. Now you've worked with families uh, as a therapist, and I'm sure I'm assuming that you talk about mommy guilt in your therapy sessions. We do, <laughs> so, over and over. So you've probably heard a million mommy guilt stories. What have you learned that you didn't already know by hearing these stories? You know, I learned that no matter where a mother is. She always feels guilty that she's not somewhere else. <laughs> and no matter what she does, That's funny. I'm serious, and I'll tell you what that taught me. Yeah. And no matter what she does, she never feels that it's enough. And if she does, her children will never let her bask in that glory because <laughs> they'll point out where it wasn't enough. And so I realized that it wasn't a magic formula of what to do, how to do it, where to be, It wasn't just an equation or a formula that you can tick off the boxes and then mommy guilt wouldn't be there. Nothing could change that or fill that besides for a change of mindset. And um, as I said, I took it from two places. So that is what I learned, that no matter what happens, mothers will feel guilty. And I told myself, if this is so pervasive, There must be a reason. I believe on this world that everything that we have and everything that we experience and everything we go through has a reason. Nothing is by coincidence and nothing is for nothing. And I kept telling myself, if the mother is 50 or 25, if she has eight children or one children, if she has all the help and all the resources in the world or she's living in her car, and if every single one, and if she's a professional, she's a home mom, if there's a blended family, a single mom, they all feel guilty. That means there is a reason we feel guilty, and we have been ignoring it, misunderstanding it, neglecting it, and underutilizing it. Wow. Um, I think I grew up feeling, feeling that I was never doing it right. There was so much criticism. Uh, I was learning. I mean, I can see see the results in in my life now. Uh, right. But it wasn't. It was not easy, and I felt guilty as a kid that she wanted me to feel guilty because she wanted me to keep trying to please her. Um, but I learned from that. So on the, you can be on the receiving end of the guilt rather than just <laughs> her her mommy guilt. She, she sort of transferred it all to me, you know. So she transmitted it. Yes. <laughs> okay. Is there such a thing as daddy guilt? Dave, do you want to chime in, or are you asking me for my experience? <laughs> let us let us take a break first, and then we'll come back to daddy guilt because I've got my own <laughs> theories idea. of that. So we'll be right <laughs> hey, back. Don't good. go away. We are a community of caregivers. 
that understands and supports you wherever you are in your journey. We are a place to connect with other caregivers, but more importantly, a place to get practical, actionable help. There are lots of ways for you to get support. First of all, you can download our welcome pack. This will get you started on your Thrive journey. Next, you can ask and get answers to your questions by posting them here in our private Facebook groups. You can also get live online support by attending one of our live weekly Connect webinars. You can get practical, actionable advice by listening to our weekly podcast. You can hear and read other stories about other caregivers' experiences. Plus, add your own in our weekly Share Your Story forum, posted every Tuesday in the Facebook group, you can access essential resources and download practical Thrive Solutions Packs, all of which are geared to help you thrive as a caregiver. You can get lifetime access to all of our resources. Again, we are here to support you and help you thrive and to enjoy your life as a caregiver. And remember, this is a place to get hope, not just cope. And we're back with Adrian Gruberg and Atara Malach, and I'm Kilgiver <laughs> Dave. I think a question was asked before our break about daddy guilt. I was going to say something when you guys were talking about mommy guilt, because I am a daddy, of course, a, a daddy of adult children. But somehow, Adrian and Atara, I don't think men are capable of feeling the guilt that perhaps they should feel and I wonder why that is. I mean, obviously, men are built differently than women. I mean, you listen to some people today, they, they will insist that there's no difference between a man and a woman. Well, I'm sorry, there is. <laughs> women can bear children. <laughs> well, you know, now there's, there, so there are some people claiming that men can bear children, too. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> where does the insanity stop? Anyway, um, there are, every man can attest to this, with that that uh, they come in and they say the wrong thing and the woman either breaks out in tears or they give them this dirty look or they throw something at them and they have no clue what they just said that that they should feel guilty about, that they hurt their feelings or was very insensitive, etc. So there must be something, some disconnect between the left side of the brain and the right side of the brain. Uh, if there is such a thing as daddy guilt, uh, daddies don't know anything about it, so that's what <laughs> my take on it. How about yeah, blissfully clueless. I agree. Clueless, yes. Insensitive clueless. is the perfect word. <laughs> Insensitive, there you go. That's a better word. No, you use it. It's, it's, and but I think it's a it's a matter of how you were, how boys are brought up. Maybe. Um, yes, but can I just share that I think it's also connected. To the expectations we have of ourselves we okay tend to feel guilty that this is I mean this is my personal opinion so I'm, I'm fine you know with being challenged but we <laughs> tend to feel guilty <laughs> I actually invite it and enjoy it we tend to <laughs> feel guilty when we expect have certain expectations of ourselves and then don't live up to our expectations so whether it's as a mom or as a caregiver when I have an expectation to either be fully present or always enjoy what I'm doing or not want to be somewhere else when I'm doing this, et cetera, et cetera, and I don't live up to my expectations, I create that gap between my expectations and the reality creates guilt. 
I feel that daddies, and many times rightly so, have different expectations of themselves vis-a-vis their children. They're mm-hmm. the supporters, they're the protectors, and so uh, uh, daddy might feel more daddy guilt if he can't give or provide for his child um, monetarily or scholastically, whereas a mother has so many more expectations personally, emotionally, spiritually, you know, from the, the cereal in the morning uh, to the hugs <laughs> in the afternoon, and, you know, I, I, it's never-ending. So even if you ticked off 85 boxes, you still have 15 boxes you did, well, that's right. going to feel guilty. But I'd love to hear what you think about that, because this is just my personal, you know, uh, understanding and, and connection, uh, analyzation to why we, you know, guilt is cre- how guilt is created, and why mommies have that much more mommy guilt, you know, pertaining to their children, their parenting, their home life. Mm. Makes sense. Um, so Makes you sense. do private coaching okay. with people, yes? Yes. Yeah. And um, do you primarily focus on guilt, or or do you talk about other topics? Um, the or, or are all problems related to guilt? <laughs> oh, that 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 you know, all roads lead to Rome. Right. Let's say well, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all my most, you know, I don't like to say all, always, or never because that's not factually correct. But I would say over ninety-five percent of the work I love doing is helping people create better lives for themselves so that they can feel happier. Now, of course, feeling less guilty is one surefire way to feel happier. But it's not as if the only thing I deal with is guilt. But people say, Atara, this is my present situation. This is what I'd love to aspire to. And how do we get from point A to point B? And that's what I love doing with people. That's why you were put on this earth. (laughs) Okay, now then you have to ask me the question again. Okay, they forget it. You have to ask me the question all over again because now (laughs) Adrian just gave it. (laughs) I think we can figure that out. Back to square one. Back to the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Genesis all over again. (laughs) So is this your first book that you've ever written? Um, I wrote a book on marriage relationships um, 18 years ago. But this is the first book that I wanted to people globally. Um, the other one was my tentative foray into expressing my feelings, thought, and suggestions about the marriage relationship. And it's not any less important, but if you ask me where my passion lies, it's here because mm-hmm. I feel that I have something unique and maybe even controversial to offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that there are over 200,000, uh, and I kid you not, uh, parenting books on Amazon, and yet I feel that I know, not only feel, I know this book is different because it is clear, it is practical, it works, and all the skills that I share for parenting are just as effective in enhancing the workplace. You know, part of the dichotomy is, uh, you know, you know, the umbrella, the opening and the closing of the umbrella. Who am I when I'm in my caretaking slash mothering mode, mother apron, and when I go out with my stilettos to the corner office, right? I'm, you know, just using a um, an analogy. And here I, spent, I find that instead of feeling the dichotomy and constantly being torn, I wanted to create a method that when you practice at work, you're more proficient at home and the same exact skills and interactions. And when you get the hang of it and implement it at home, you're much more 
efficient and capable and confident and competent when you get back to work after the weekend. And so this harmony of wherever I am, I'm becoming better and I'm adding and contributing and growing is something, it's my mission. And, and so, yes, I wrote a previous book, but this one is my pride and joy. Mm-hmm. Well, here's, here's a hypothesis for you. Perhaps you've always felt passionate about uh, the guilt aspect of it. Because if you started out, uh, you know, as a marriage counselor or a marriage therapist, uh, certainly there are lots of things that husband and wife, you know, have issues with guilt. And then you started talking about parenting and and the guilt has moved on to parenting. And now you're just talking about the root, like we were talking before, all roads lead to guilt. Is that is that fair to say? <laughs> you know, um I'm connecting to that because maybe I felt that by the time the couple is entrenched in their difficulty and hurt and um, hopelessness, Mm. it leaves me as their therapist feeling sometimes just as helpless. And if I can start with the younger generation, empowering them, clarifying for them, loving them, raising them in a different, healthier atmosphere, I suppose, hopefully that the result will be that they create relationships and families that are based on so much more joy and health. What do you mm-hmm. say to that? I like it. I so like do it. I. I've got a, I've got a question. In, in the marriage counseling aspect, or even in the, in the just any therapy, do you feel guilt if, you don't feel like you're the person you're helping is making progress. Oh, constantly. <laughs> and that again, remember what it's not even a question. It's a even, given. Even it's if it's oh, I'm, even I'm if it's their fault one hundred percent. Right. It, well then it's my fault that it's still their fault. Oh, I'll always right. find a way to make it my fault. Don't worry about it. I'm great at that. <laughs> By the way, my, you think this is funny. You know what my website is? TheMommyGuiltExpert.com. So, yeah, I'm an expert. <laughs> and when the kid. And, you know, I was so surprised. Yeah, I'm serious. Go to www.TheMommyGuiltExpert.com, and there I am. So, yeah, um, yeah I would feel guilty and helpless and hopeless. And mm-hmm. I connect. But remember what I said before that is connected to my expectations. I created that. Yeah. Because I expected myself from myself do different and be better. And as I evolved with the years and getting the supervision and more academic, you know, studies as years Mm -hmm. go on, I realized that that was taking away the power from my clients, Mm. that the answers and the direction and the inspiration can't and shouldn't be from any therapist. It shouldn't be outside the person or the relationship. We should be able to help them connect to it inside themselves and create it within the relationship. So now as, you know, an experienced, evolved therapist, it's very different. Mm-hmm. So it's not so much of a given? Uh, don't worry. I, it's, it's, it's still there. And maybe that's going <laughs> to, you know, <laughs> I'm being honest. I'm being vulnerable. And that Good. maybe will get me to my next book. Because remember what I said. I use mommy guilt to make things better. I use mommy guilt to make things different. And today when I feel therapist guilt, I ask myself, what is this teaching me about myself? Isn't that, isn't that great? Yeah. We're, we're running I, out of time. I, so I just have two last questions. The first one is yeah. um, 
you know, as a parent, I've experienced this myself because when, when a kid doesn't turn out uh, the way that you would want them to do, uh, to turn out, and I don't mean, you know, that they're really bad or let's say, you know, you wanted them to to be happily married for 50 years and, you know, maybe they're going through their second divorce or, uh, you know, maybe one of the grandkids ends up in jail or, or using drugs. Somehow I feel like I could have done more to prevent that. And and that's kind of what we're talking about. It's like I must be responsible somehow, some way. Somehow. Is that is that typical and common? Even more so for a woman, um, because here we're talking about daddy guilt, and I'm feeling some of it, but, you know, that's <laughs> rare things. Right, and if you want to take my, you know, if you want my take on it, I still will focus on what this teaches me, and what this teaches me is, whether it's an adult child or a grandchild, that shows me I still care. I still feel connected. I still want what's best for them. That means a lot in today's very isolated, impersonal world, wouldn't you say? Mm -hmm. So, uh, last question. The one thing you want everyone to take home, if they forget everything else we talked about, what's the one thing, as Curly would say on that movie? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What was the name of that movie? With uh, Billy Crystal, right? Billy Crystal. Okay, well, what's the one thing that you want to leave with your audience? That mommy guilt is there for a reason. Learn from it. Become empowered by it. Connect the right solutions to it. And improve your life and relationships that you have with those around you because of it. Well, how do we get a hold of you if somebody wants to buy your book or get a hold in uh, counseling or okay. coaching, whatever? So it's the themommyguiltexpert.com or my name, ataramalach.com. My book is on Amazon. And I created something special for our audience. It's um, You just go to www.specialpodcastbonus.com. It's a free download that was beautifully prepared talking about guilt and just gifting anybody who is who has spent the time with us. And because there is something that's so special in community and I don't take it for granted, I appreciate it, um, I applaud it, and um, I love connecting. So it's, themommyguiltexpert.com and Amazon and get your special podcast bonus. So it's specialbonus.com or is there something? Specialpodcastbonus.com. Podcast right. bonus. Okay. Well, and I'm Caregiver Dave, and it's uh, caregiverdave.com, one-stop shopping. You go there, and you can join our uh, membership website for all the tools and resources that you need. And uh, we even have uh, a button for several free gifts, uh, my book on uh, overcoming unbelievable hardships and uh, a caregiving uh, burnout quiz and a, an audio soundtrack to help you relax. And Adrian. She runs an amazing website, thecaregiverspace.org, and an amazing uh, Facebook group. In fact, several Facebook groups. Um, communities within Communities, the group. Yeah. thank you. Communities. And so I think there's one for spousals, and there's one for after caregiving, one for cancer, one for uh, what else? Uh, parent, pet, taking care yeah. of your parents. 
Yeah. Elder and care. And if you think there's one missing, then talk to her and we'll get you to start it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly right. Yes. So don't go away, uh, uh, Atara, after the show. I want you to hang on and we'll fix your issue that you had with uh, connecting. So we will see everybody next week, same time. So goodbye. Thank you for listening to the Caregiver's Caregiver radio program with Dave Nassani.